This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have former Philadelphia 76er player and coach, a member of the NBA's Hall of Fame. He was also a member of the NBA's 50th anniversary all-time team, Billy Cunningham. How are you doing, Mr. Cunningham? Fine, David. How are you today? Good. I see you went to North Carolina. You were one of the first in the long line of great players out of that college. Oh gosh, yeah, that just shows you how old I am, huh? Um, <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was the last player that was recruited by Frank McGuire, and then uh, as soon as I got there, um, he left to coach the Philadelphia Warriors, and that's when Dean Smith became head coach. So you got to play under Dean Smith? Yep, sure did for three. My well, it's a little different today, but uh, my. Three years I played under Dean. What was Dean like back then? Well, you know, um, very diligent. Uh, obviously, you could see that uh, he was committed, loved the game. Uh, was And uh, uh, the only problem when I was there is that there wasn't a lot of, quote, talent for him. Uh, that didn't happen until for a few more years. And then, uh, then Carolina seemed to get on the right page and, has had great success since then, but uh, he he was obviously uh, you could see that there was going to be a special coach in Dean Smith. Now you and I assume you and Frank McGuire spoke the same language. How about you and Dean Smith? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, we uh, uh, very close. After my career uh, in basketball ended. And uh, so, so we, yes, we definitely spoke the same language. Did anyone break your uh, school record at 48 points in a game? Uh, yeah, I think, the, I think the next year Bobby Lewis might have broken that. I, I forget what I had. I know it was the high 40s, but uh, um, it was just against a terrible team, though. It really, uh, uh, it's not something I would hang my hat on and say, wow, what a great achievement I had during my career, because uh, at that time I trying to remember who it was against, I think, Tulane, and they were not a very good team at that time. Had Dean Smith developed his four-corner stall offense when he took over? Yes, he was developing that. You know, matter of fact, uh, the first person he used that with was uh, Larry Brown, uh, the, the coach now at SMU, coach in the NBA, Kansas, et cetera. Um, Larry would be was very quick and a heck of a basketball player, and uh, he was the one that uh, was the first one that I remember, first one to be in the middle of the four corners. And then you joined the Philadelphia 76ers back what in the mid 60s, and you had some great players on that team, and you were coming off the bench. Was that an adjustment for you coming off the bench? Uh, not really. When I first got to the pros, that was not an issue. I, I felt the same way as you mentioned. I just felt very fortunate that I had the opportunity to play with uh, great players. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Chet Walker, from uh, who played went on and played at the Chicago Bulls, and Luke Jackson, Will Chamberlain, Hal Greer, Larry Costello, Wally Jones. So it was uh, an exceptional basketball team. What did you learn from sitting on the bench, uh, if anything? Uh, I, I learned, well, you, you, mental preparation was the most important thing. Uh, it's a lot easier starting that you're warmed up, you're ready to the ball to be thrown up and the game to start. But uh, 
when you're sitting on the bench, it's uh, making sure that you're uh, mentally ready, watching what's going on, what the team needs, um, who you'll be playing against, what they're doing. Uh, so there's a long laundry list of different things that you, you kind of focus on before you go into the game from the bench. In the 67 championship, that was what, Wilt Chamberlain's first championship? What, Dr. Jack Ramsey was your coach, if I remember right? No, um, Alex Hannon was the coach. Okay, Alex Hannon. What was that like, getting Wilt's first championship? Oh, well, any championship is a wonderful championship, but it was uh, obviously you look back and you realize it was Wilt's first and the the things he had achieved during the course of his career uh, just um, uh, makes it truly special. Now, Alex, um, I think, also won a championship with the St. Louis Hawks. Yes, he did. I think he did. And uh, uh, no, no, I would not classify Alex as, uh, uh, Lord rest his soul, as someone that would just sit there and observe. He would be more along the lines, I think, of uh, closer to a red owl back on the sideline than, uh, uh, than someone that sits there very quietly like a John Wooden. Uh, no, that was not uh, his style. Then you go to the ABA, that would be a big change for you, because that was, what, an up-tempo style compared to the NBA? It was, and it, um, it, there were a lot of great players in that league. Uh, the, the, the problem that they had was just they didn't, for a TV market, they were just, uh, the cities were just too small. Uh, the support was pretty good in all those cities, by the way, but uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. That's where they, we were introduced to the three-point line, which has become such a factor in the NBA today. How much of a transition was it from the NBA to the ABA style? Uh, it was still basketball. Uh, it, was, uh, it really wasn't much of a, a, a change or an adjustment. Uh, it was up and down a little bit more than the NBA, but uh, uh, that, that fit my style uh, well enough that I was able to participate. When you were with the 76ers coming off the bench as a six-man, I mean, was there any, like, competitions between, like, you and Havlicek to see who the better six-man was? I don't think either one of us really took it uh, personally as a the six-man. We, you, you know, I think the important thing is that uh, who finished the game. That really would dictates to you who uh, the, the starting team actually is. And, of course, Havlicek would... Uh, always finish the games, and many times I did as well. Now, how did you get into coaching? Uh, I was asked by uh, the owner of the team, Fitz Dixon. Uh, I had just been out of playing for a year and a half, uh, and they were dissatisfied with the direction of the team. If I would assume the position as head coach, something I really had never planned on and looked uh, to the future with, but uh, after thinking about it, talking to my wife, I said, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. And uh, uh, it was a learning experience. I had wonderful people around me. And uh, we were able to make some moves and trades, and uh, we were able to build a, a wonderful team. When you were going against the Celtics, I mean, they had some great players in McHale, Bird, Parrish, and Ainge, but you had some fairly accomplished players in Dr. J towards the end of his career, Moses Malone and Maurice Cheeks. But the guy I really liked was Andrew Toney. He just seemed like he got it done. He was a great player. Matter of fact, uh, I think his nickname was the Boston Strangler. Um, and matter of fact, the reason Dennis Johnson uh, ended up playing for the Boston Celtics was because of Andrew Tony, because uh, they had no one physically 
or athletically that could compete against uh, Andrew. And he was such a dominant force in that period of time that that's uh, why that trade happened. And uh, it was a great rivalry what we had against with the Celtics uh, uh, during uh, those several years. Well, during the, the Chamberlain Russell area era, and also the uh, Dr. J and Larry Bird era. What was it like to coach Julius Irving? Well, it was uh, it was very easy. Matter of fact, I, I uh, reflecting afterwards, I just. Uh, couldn't imagine having to play under somebody. It's, it's one of the reasons it's hard to coach in the NBA for an extended period of time is that you you play, you know, most teams are going to play close. If you're a playoff team, you're going to play a normal season over 100 games, including exhibition games. And then you have practices, et cetera. And coaching Julius for eight years, you can imagine, it's close to it's close to 1,000 games where we were involved together without practices. So, uh, you know, there's just so many speeches uh, you can hear. And, uh, you know, one thing I learned is from coaching is uh, the less you speak, the better off you are. And I think uh, uh, if you talk too much, then the players, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other ear. But then you had to change, though, when you left coaching, you went and commentating, and you got to speak more than you did in coaching. Uh, well, it's a different type of paycheck, uh, you know, you you're not uh, your success is if the fans watching the games like you or if the, the network likes you, um, but uh, that was a little different. That was a wonderful experience too, uh, do, doing the NBA games. The only thing I missed there was the uh, competition because at the end of the day, the biggest concern you had was uh, you didn't want an overtime game because uh, that means you probably missed your flight that you had planned on catching after the game. How would you compare the teams that? The- the team that you played on and the team that you coached NBA championships with the teams today? Uh, I, I think the teams that I... Uh, great. I mean, uh, are they as good? Sure. I, I think that uh, one of the things people make a mistake is, uh, uh, well, the athletes today are better than they were. No, they weren't. There's no one that can compare to Will Chamberlain physically and athletically when he was a young man. Um, you look at... Uh, in the 80s, when I was fortunate enough to coach Bobby Jones and Julius Irving, there weren't any two faster forwards up and down the court in transition. I mean, they were just as quick up and down the court as uh, as LeBron James. So, uh, you know, so it's, uh, I think for some reason, plus, you know, the thing that you see in the NBA now is you have no big men. The game is, uh, there's, for some reason, we're going through a drought here where big is not a, a, a situation. You know, is not important to the game. You can't find good athletes that can play basketball that are big. Uh, you know, last night I think the fourth period, Oklahoma City, Collison was their center for the whole fourth period, and I presume he's around six eight, six nine. Yeah. You would have had a field deal with Moses Moore against that team. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Moses would have been salivating, uh, yeah, as as Wilt would have as well. I mean, it's like dominant inside forces are, as you say, very few and far between. You know. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine the old uh, Celtic teams? You know, which had, uh, which you mentioned, the Bird, um, McHale, and Parrish. All three were in the Hall of Fame. I mean, uh, you don't have anybody that can match up with any of those players. Why did you never get back into coaching? 
Well, I got into ownership after that. More money in ownership? No, no. It was just, uh, I did that. That was enough. You know, and then, then matter of fact, I was um, one of the people, the founders of the Miami Heat. When you founded that, were you? I can remember when the Miami Floridians played in the ABA, and I think they played at uh, Miami-Dade South Junior College, and they wouldn't always fill up the stands. Were you confident Miami would be a basketball market? Yes. Wouldn't have gone there if we didn't think so. It was the ten, it was the largest TV market that didn't have an NBA franchise, and uh, a lot of Northeasterners, and uh, uh, they took to the sport uh, immediately. Uh, I know the, the eight years that I was involved with the team, we sold every ticket. What do you think about the big three in Miami? Do you think they can win a championship, or there's not enough basketballs for all three of them? I think there's enough basketballs. I think the one that gets hurt the most is uh, Wade. But um, uh, they better win it now because Oklahoma City is a very young team, and all they're going to do is get better. And, you know, you look at Wade in one game, he's outstanding. Another game, he's far from it. From your superstar players, don't you need some sort of consistency? Well, you do need it in the playoffs. I, you need to you, you need that consistency. There's no question, but I think that uh, uh, you know you look at the two teams. Um, I would say probably two of the three best players are in the Miami Heat. But then if you look at their as you go down the list, um, Oklahoma City is you know it just uh, the next several players are all you know, Oklahoma City players. Yeah, so they I mean, you just have, West- have a more balanced team. Right. I mean, you have Westbrook, Dogman, uh, Durant, who's, I think, sort of on a, a level. I don't know if he's equal to LeBron, but he's awfully good. He, you're exactly right. He's only 23 years old. And a former player of mine that I coached, Maurice Cheeks, is assistant coach and just says all he has is accolades for uh, Durant as a young man as well. I think the difference between Durant and LeBron James is Durant wants the ball in the fourth quarter and wants to take over a game and win, whereas James kind of looks for his teammates a little more. He doesn't have that killer instinct. Well, time will tell, won't it? You know, so we'll uh, we have a few more games to play, and we'll see if LeBron, who's a great player, uh, is able to step forward and uh, take control of those situations. Now. I don't know a lot about basketball, but when I look at LeBron James' skill set and his age and I compare it to Michael Jordan's skill set at a comparable age, I say LeBron James is ahead of Michael. Is that an erroneous observation? I think so. I think so because Michael Jordan had a – again, I know Michael a little bit and – but I don't know LeBron, and that my statement might be a little unfair too. But um, Michael had a fire in him that is uh, almost scary. He was so competitive, and uh, to think that Michael Jordan, um, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, he won six championships. Um, is LeBron going to be able to do that? Uh, you know, time will tell. Uh, but. Uh, no, I, I would. I don't even think that. I think he's at a level or two below Michael Jordan. So, Elliot, we had a girl walk in the studio off the street again. 
This is like, what, two straight weeks? You know, we just put the sign out in front of the building, and these random women show up, and today it happens to be Jill Karsten, former Ice Capades performer, uh, director of the Rockford Ice Hogs Fire and Ice team, which is Rockford's equivalent to the Chicago Blackhawks ice crew. That would be former director. Former director, whatever. <laughs> she was Boss Hog? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> That's good. That's a good That's one. That's better than Miss Piggy, right? <laughs> and Jill is also involved in an event this Sunday, June 24th, at Hi-Fi Fitness, downtown Chicago, 820 North Orleans, going pro entertainment. And... What is that all about? What is that all? Well, for the record, first of all, I was not stalking you guys. I did receive an invitation, so <laughs> I just want to clarify she just, that. Actually, she just flew in from Colorado Springs, and boy, her as much as I'd like to boost the egos here, um, <laughs> we need it. Believe us. Okay, Going Pro Expo, hosted by Going Pro Entertainment, I believe. Is that? Do you have? Will you um, offer to be my secretary here? Because, sure. again, I, I have the jet lag. I don't know what time zone I'm in. Well, I, I know Wynn Lacey, who is the director of the ICE crew, is involved in this. And there's going to be presentations by choreographers, by makeup artists, by a, a spectrum of people to help women who are interested in becoming cheerleaders or dancers or, I suppose, you, you, skaters. For professional teams. It's a gamut. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for any young lady, um, a woman who wants to break into professional entertainment, be it um, a dancer for a sports team, um, a presenter for a pageant, a fitness. Do you have the highlights there? We can go through the... I got the, the highlights, yeah. We can go through well, the itinerary. The point is, it's there's a, a plethora of opportunities, so... All day long, you There's can a, what? a plethora of opportunities. Are there a lot of opportunities, too? <laughs> okay, instead get, of opportunities, um, know, for somebody, opportunities. for an attendee of is this expo. Is there a expo, cornucopia with that, too, or just a plethora? Okay. Big words are confusing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All this legalese. <laughs> what is this? The party of the first part. Okay, so for me, you know, I, find my, I found myself in this industry five years ago not knowing how did I get here. And so... For anyone who is unfamiliar, there is an opportunity to learn from the pros, if you will. So okay. there's your segue into going pro. Um, let's What's see. the age requirements? I would say um, there's a eight, minimum eight, 18, 18 and above. At least 18. Um, anyone that would be under 18 would need permission from their legal guardian. Don't quote me on that, but that's usually how it goes. So if there's a 17-year-old who has just graduated high school who would be interesting, interested in going to this expo, I would encourage her to attend. So with that, the day's activities, you can A, walk in for $12 oh, okay. and sit in any of the sessions which are taking place, or you can walk in for $12 and then sign up for some of the choreography sessions, the dance sessions. Elliot, can you... You know, it's from and 9 I, to 6 right. this and Sunday. guys can come to and learn how to dance. No, no, and I, <laughs> I don't think it's a spectator. Are there matador? Store. Is it the Lovables matadors? That the, the matadors going bye bye. Elliot, you're attending. I'll be there. What are you doing? Uh, observing. How's that sound? I I may give advice. How to write about beautiful women? Something like you know, <laughs> when broach the topic of talking to uh, a session of 
you know, what judges look for, things like that. I don't know. She hasn't gotten back to me, but with, there's, there's time to figure something out. At the very worst, I end up talking to some uh, lovely ladies, take some video. Well, let's look at these, these presenters, right? Well, um, Gloria Esposito, who is the director of the Adrenaline Rush Dancers, is among them. Uh, Laura Eilers, who is the 2011 Ms. Ms. America. USA. Ms. USA. I don't know. I have my. There's, I just put my Ms. glasses America, on. I'm not sure what Ms. USA is. It's different than Miss, and it's, not, it? misses. And it's not Misses. <laughs> What's it between Miss, Miss, and Ms? I think Ms is a little a little more empowering. It's Ms. It, it's more a product of the feminist movement, and it's not the demure Miss USA. You know when because Ms sounds like a disease. Well. It, <laughs> That's something totally different, and I don't, I don't think there's much disease involved in, in all this. Uh, what else? You have Rebecca Gerard, who's the former dance team director of the Detroit Pistons. Have you met Rebecca before? No. Okay. Have you? Me, me neither. Uh, or neither. And then neither, we, neither. <laughs> neither, neither. There is Melanie Potesta Austin, who was on season three, So You Think You Can Dance, and formerly with the Indiana Pacers dancers. So I guess she can dance. You know, there's I would say yes, being that she's a former NBA dancer of the Indiana Pacers. Okay. They're not the lovables though. No. No. We have a fondness for the lovables that supersedes any other team. You know, there's fitness sessions. I think uh you know, high five fitness is first and foremost a, a workout uh Place and the host of the event. Yes, at eight twenty North Hibbert. Is that right? Yeah. Eight twenty <laughs> North Orleans. Shannon Lurch, who former Miss Illinois, who's been on this show, will be there about winning pageantry. Uh, it should be interesting. So, what are you going to tell people to do? Give us a little You're thumbnail. Gonna, she's going to be on the side. I'm, I'm not on the itinerary. You're not on the itinerary. She's going to be telling them walk in the door. Actually, I will be in attendance, and I will be promoting some prep classes for those who wish to audition for a sports hockey team. What do you mean by audition for a sports ho- hockey team? Audition. Um, to I, be a player or dancer? To be <laughs> a, skate, skate, a skater. One of the, you know, the young women who shovels up the ice. Yes. So essentially, we went through winning teams. We are offering four classes in the month of July for those that want to prepare for a skating audition. Be for it, which team? Or we can't say. You know, it's a generic audition. So it could be for possibly an NHL team, an AHL team, an ECHL team, a Junior A team. There's a lot of teams out there. So from my perspective um, of being a skating coach, a skating performer, um, essentially, the requirements you need are to be able to skate adequately from one end of the ice to the other and stop. What about use a shovel? <laughs> that comes later. <laughs> Odds are, if you can skate from one end of the rink to the other and stop... <laughs> you'll be able to shovel? You'll, you'll be able to shovel. Okay. I mean, the, the shovel is a little tricky because it could throw you off balance. Um, however, it's, it's manageable. Okay. And I should say also, at the event will be Alicia Harris who has been on this show, a figure competitor, and Nicole Duncan, who is 
a fitness competitor. So there's, if you pardon the term, there's a broad range. Not of, a plethora. I like broad range. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit something for everybody. It, okay, I can't skate, but you can still show up. I can't dance, but you can still show up. It, it, Is Katerina Vick going to be there? That's my question. I don't think so. <laughs> back to Katarina Vitt. Well, everything goes back to Katarina Vitt. And you're a little skates. Okay, hold, 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 can we hold the Katarina Vitt for a second? Going back to this Going Pro Expo, um, when you look at the website, did we did we say what, where you can find the registration information for the Going Pro Expo? Go right ahead. Well, I was looking for you to say oh, that. I'm supposed because you to, have your glasses I'm, on. I'm supposed to you're provide You're my honorary that. secretary. Oh, God. Okay. In any case, when you visit the site, you may see um, just, a lot of dance choreography, Google. which should not intimidate anybody yeah. because I have some girls. Uh, we Winning teams did host two four-week sessions of skating clinics, and a lot of those girls will be attending because there are other opportunities other than um, classes that are dance-specific. So... For example, for twelve dollars, they're going to come. They, I get to introduce you to some of my my newer skaters oh, that, boy. that are you know looking to go pro, if you will. I know one of us will be excited about that. They may not be. Look, I actually googled it and it worked. Go <laughs> Pro Chicago 2012 or Going Pro Chicago, Chicago. Just Google that and you'll it'll come up and you'll see it all. This Sunday, yes. Okay, now back to Katarina Vitt. Yeah, let's get back to I... <laughs> and the wonderful world of ice skating. <laughs> so, how did you become an Ice capade girl or um, a skater, or what do they call it? An ice capet. Ice capet. Yes, and I had it. It was. Did um, they call the guys that too? They were the ice cadets. Good Cad- question. Okay, ice cadets and ice capets. No chipettes. <laughs> what is a chipette? I'm thinking Chippendales now. Okay. okay. <laughs> Wrong thing. I don't know how you went from Kettering a bit to Chippendales, <laughs> but that's you your get story. In, into the inner workings of David's mind. It's a very <laughs> dangerous place to be. And, um, you know, I, it's just dumb luck, honestly. I, I attended the Ice Follies at the Chicago Stadium when I was seven, and I just fell in love with the ice show. I fell in love with the, just the whole, artistry of the movement of skating to, to music, to the choreography and to the way that the costumes enhance the music. I just, that was my moment in time. So, you know, for me to be standing at the Chicago Stadium on the ice, in the ice capades was just, you know, it was one of my, you know, finest moments in life, other than giving birth to my daughter, but that's... <laughs> you gave birth to your daughter on the ice? No, other than oh, the oh, moment. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I confuse Thanks easily. for the, the clarity. I get confused very easily. Um, so how do you get from the sta- being in the stands at the stadium to being on the ice? You know, I just went to an audition. I found out when the auditions were. I was not a formally trained skater. I was more, um, I was competitive, but I did not wake up every morning at 5 a.m. <laughs> every day to skate. So... For me, I think having um, a dance background from high school dance team, cheerleading, whatnot, gave me that performance aspect. So when I auditioned, they just kind of said, don't call us, we'll call you. And quite frankly, on the day, I told my mother I wanted to take a break and not attend college. That that (laughs) must have been a fun conversation. She was not happy with me that morning. And that afternoon, the ice capades called and said, can you be in Duluth, Minnesota in two weeks? And of course... You know, the rest is skating history. So who did you work with? What famous people? Oh, gosh. Uh, Dorothy Hamill. Oh, I like her. She was my favorite first. Uh, not Katerina Vitt. She was not on the spectrum because she was training. Um, Peter and Kitty Carruthers, 1984 okay. silver medalists. 
Robin Cousins. Red buttons? I mean, dick buttons? <laughs> no, but I was in his presence, as I stated, at the Madison Square Gardens. And, and okay, but every week we had a different star. So we have Ty Babylonia Randy and Randy Gardner. Um, Scott Hamilton was not with us. Ice Capades had released him the year that I joined, so that was very disappointing that for me. A, that was a but good, good move on but their good, part. But good for, him, good for him. Good move on their part. He went to the Mickey Mouse just operation. The trace of sarcasm in there. It's like, what happened? He went to the Mickey Mouse operation. I heard. He went to the Mickey Mouse operation. No, no, he started. He started you. his own. Uh... Oh, I thought he was part of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> he started Stars on Ice. Correct. That is correct. I get bonus I'm points. I'm confused all these things. You got Disney on ice, you had the ice capades, and you had what, stars you, on ice? Once upon a time, you had the ice capades and the ice follies. Correct. And then the ice follies got bought by Disney? I believe so. I think okay. ice follies just meshed into Disney on ice. Don't quote me. You'd okay. have to go back and check the annual. So when you started skating, when the ice capades, I mean, did you know how to do the spins? and the? I did. I could spin. I could do double jumps at the time. Does that help you out? What about a triple axle? No triple axles. What are you up to? Quadruples? Now? Oh, you know, the only the only person that could do a triple axle. I'm sorry, the only female which could do a triple axle at the time was Tanya Harding. And she did that with holding a tire iron too. <laughs> triple <laughs> axles are going in circles three times. Three and a half times. Three and a half. So what are they up to now? Like quadruples or? Yes, they are. The men do quads. Women. Eh. Maybe not. So I honestly I don't watch skating that much on television no, any longer. Okay. So now my question is, does anybody? I, I know skating has a niche audience. Does and, anybody? And well, once upon a time, especially in an Olympic year, skating would come along and it would captivate everybody. Now in a world of a cable universe, everything's. I, I'm still going to argue that because during the football season, if if you turn on. Your sports, right. your football game. I'm watching. You can turn on a rival channel, you turn on the, and there will be and there will be figure yeah. skating for those that don't choose to watch football. Mainly women. No, not necessarily, because I can't get you guys to admit it, but I know that you watch figure skating. So, although yeah. you won't, for the you, record, you'll you you turn, when you turn off the mics. <laughs> and we're supposed to say we watch it for the skating, right? Catering a bit, enough said. <laughs> but no, I mean, you always had an attractive female, either from the U.S. or from. Russia, and you'd be rooting for them. Similar figure skating was kind of like the winter version of the uh, gymnastics right. in the Olympics. You know, some somebody mm-hmm. in a skimpy outfit looking good. I, I would say it's it's much higher than the equivalent to gymnastics. You know, figure skating is an gymnastics art of its own. Gymnastics on ice, right? Almost. It's no. basically turned into gymnastics as no. all the moves. Well, oh, now, yes, I agree with that. And the scoring system, it's kind of the perfect. Okay, so from that realm, yes. Uh, I prefer to watch the artsy you know, um, Katarina Vitt on Ice and Friends, Christy Yamaguchi and Friends, Katarina Vitt and Friends. <laughs> they, they have friends? <laughs> With, I was talking to a former Russian skater. He uh, trains people here in Chicago, and he was saying when I was talking about my girls that you want to be at least like six or seven oh, before what? you start skating because the problem is their ankles aren't developed enough and they'll do damage. What's your opinion on that? Um, I politely disagree. Or respectfully disagree. There's no such thing as weak ankles. You saw my skates. Right. They're pretty darn thick around the ankles. So this, the, the issue with your ankles is proper fitting skates. If your skates fit properly, you can skate. It's like any equipment. You know, if you, I don't know, do you guys golf? Isn't, yes. You know, he, there's David different clubs. Does. I just caddy. 
so in any case, if you have great equipment, it's going to help you succeed. If your equipment is inadequate, which sometimes, again, for girls who want to go to Going Pro Expo and, you know, chat with me about do their skates fit properly, um, they will not succeed in a pair of skates from Kmart or Sportmart, if you will. I don't think Sportmart exists. Sports Authority. Or Dick's. Yeah. And those just are recreational. So you shouldn't buy the ones that are just... Exactly. Double blades, nope. So no, I couldn't have double blades when I started skating because yeah. it wasn't around. But then when it came around with my sister, my mom said, no, you're going to learn on single blades. Double blades are stupid. Yes. What is that, like <laughs> skates on uh, Two with blades. Tra- training wheels? Yeah. But it makes no sense because I had to learn how to skate. skate uh, yeah, with I don't even skates, say not it. hockey skates. See, a lot of boys. there you go. See, all pardon me. Um, all boys. This is my opinion. Should learn to figure skate or skate on figure skates first before they throw on the hockey skates. But you know that could be a controversial issue for later a later discussion. Okay, so. <laughs> but it kills your ankles. I'm, I skate. What kills you? Right, because you do not have proper fitting skates. My skates do not kill my ankles. I. They're like socks to me. So, again, but that's the $1,200 pair of skates versus the $12 pair of skates. So my pair of $50 ones from Dick's I got a couple years ago. They're not going to work for you. Because I was skating with the girls last year. My wife doesn't skate. It was killing me. I was at uh, Navy Pier. I'm like, this is, I'm trying to hold the little one. Your wife's a smart lady. (laughs) You know, David's looking to join Disney on ice, too. So it's a little deflating to find out. I was with Peter Pan on ice. You didn't hear about my skating story? No. I was like seven years old. We had this thing. Peter Pan was out there. I was dressed as like a crocodile. Oh, I know where this and is going. And then I'm skating. And then I was the slowest one out of the kids. So Captain Hook had to come and pull me off the ice. So I was the last one on the ice all by myself at the Franklin Park or Shore Park Ice Arena. And Captain Hook is dragging me off to the applause of the audience. My mom goes, you did it on purpose, you big ham. And welcome to therapy with Jill. <laughs> What else could you oh, help no. David with? <laughs> so I need proper fitting skates. Correct. What else? And and listen to someone other than a Russian. Don't listen <laughs> to the Russian coach. Without so we no, should, I, we should send I, David to uh, David Santee. Yes, David Santee. There you go. And where is he out of? He's right here in Park Ridge. He's right down the street. He's in Colorado Springs this week, but maybe but he, maybe he, next week. He works most of the time. He, yes, he does. In the Chicago area. So is it a? Do you still skate like? Consistently, um, I ebb and flow. Right now, I'm flowing with the skating. So I've been on the ice a couple times, only because I need to be able to keep up with some of the students that I'm managing. And you know, as you well, age, when you were the director right. of the Ice Hogs Fire and Ice Team, when I was the you, former director, yeah, I said when when you were. I, <laughs> What's an ice hog? Oh, that's, that's a Rockford team. The the Rockford Ice Hogs are. What's an ice hog though? Who knows? You know, someone who. Controls take, once it takes up too much space <laughs> on the, the ice. hog the puck. I think it's a, a great name. Anyway, you you did you dressed up the, in, the in, Rockford Ice Hogs. Yeah, they they were they are the AHL affiliate team to the Chicago Blackhawks. You've heard of the Blackhawks, right? They do something on ice. Okay, cold <laughs> steel on ice. Yeah, cold beer on ice. I think we got like twenty seconds left. We're getting the sign. Uh oh, that went by quick. It did. We'll have to have you back again sometime. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And what's your thing about again? If you want to. Promote it one more time. The Going Pro Expo this Sunday. June 24th. From 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. $12 online registration or $20 at the door. High Five Fitness, 820 North Orleans. And you'll fit their skates and someone else will fit the outfits and someone else will teach them how to dance. Exactly. And Ellie will teach them I don't know what. I'm just going to go there to watch. We want to thank all our guests today. Billy Cunningham, Maury Wells. Jill Karsten. 
Thank you Thank for you. listening. Stay tuned. Not in that next order week. of importance either. The best for last. <laughs>